0: this morning is found in Hosea, chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. Hosea, chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. You know, the other night at the back-to-school extravaganza, Brother Jay and I were talking, comparing notes, conspiring against the devil, all right? And I said, Brother, I see that you preach through a book of the Bible uh, uh, the way that I do. Well, not the way that I do, but he preaches through it the way he does, and I preach through it the way I do. And he said, yeah, and and so we were talking about that, and he said, well, how much do you try to cover in in a message? And I said, well, generally I try to go for a chapter per sermon. He nodded his head, but I said, sometimes God gets involved, and and I can't get a whole chapter in in a message. Now, you all know, last week I intended to preach all the chapter four of Hosea. Well, we made it through verse 6. This Sunday I aim to make it all the way through the rest of of Hosea chapter 4 and we're making it three verses this morning because there's just so much in here. Let me tell you something, beloved. God wants us to multiply. God wants us to multiply. God wants us to be transformed and not be conformed. Hosea chapter 4 verses 7 through 9 In honor of the reading of God's Word, let's stand as we read God's Word together. The more they multiply, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people and direct their desire toward their iniquity. And it will be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. Let us pray. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for the reading of your perfect and infallible word in our midst this morning. And God, we understand that you want to bring about transformation in our lives. And Father, we pray that you would just speak to us this morning and that you would transform us. Lord, we love you with all of our soul. We pray that you would illumine our hearts and minds as you illumine the heart and mind of Hosea when you gave to him this perfect and infallible word. Lord, we offer to you our love our lives, and this prayer in and through the name of our risen Lord and Master, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. We saw last week in chapter 4, God begins and He says, Listen, I've got a case against y'all. In the New American Standard, He says, I've got a case against y'all. Hebrew word is reeve, and it means a a covenant lawsuit. Okay? A covenant lawsuit. That means, let's put it into human terms, that, that two humans have gotten together and they have made a covenant with one another. Okay, We have covenanted I've said I've got this piece of property over here and I will sell it to you for this amount of money or for these kind of considerations and this person says I I, I accept your offer and we go through this ceremony that's binding. We have witnesses that show that we have entered into this covenant together. And then all of a sudden, you know, when it comes time for that land to transfer a hand, I say, did I say, you know, that I wanted, oh, I don't know, 20 shekels? What I meant to say was I wanted 200 shekels. Well, I've broken the covenant. And so that person is now going to file a covenant lawsuit against me. You know... In our Bibles, I'm old enough to remember that when I was a little boy, our Bibles instead of, a lot of them didn't say Old Testament, New Testament. They said Old Covenant, New Covenant, okay? Because they wanted us to understand the difference. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with Testament because Testament simply means testify, And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to testify to the the grace and, and the activity of God in our lives. But covenant kind of contextualizes the whole thing for us, doesn't it? Covenant is this is what God has said, and we're a part of that, that we're supposed to be a part of that. And so God says to these people, and we're kind of in this same period in our Sunday school time, these people are doing things their way. All right? They're doing things their way. It, it, it's kind of like being in the military and you decide how long you're going to wear your mustache. Or you decide how long you're going to wear your hair. Or you decide whether your uniform is within regulations or not. Let me tell you something. Those are options. Those options are not available to you. Okay? Someone else will tell you whether you are living within those regulations. And God says, you have violated my basic covenant. There is a failure here to know me. And they would say, you know, it's kind of like, remember when we were in Malachi? I know most of y'all checked out on that sermon because it was on tithing. Okay? But God came to them and said, you have robbed God. And their answer was, how have we robbed God? How have we robbed God? God is coming to them saying, you don't know me. And they're going, Well, yeah, we do. I mean, your name is God. Hello, how hard could this be? We have your law. I mean, it's written out. We've never read it, but we've got your law. We don't do it. Surely you don't expect us to do all of that stuff. I mean, it's impossible. And God would say to them, now you understand. Now you understand. Now we're starting to get somewhere. And so God says, you don't even know who I am. You're pretending to know me. You're pretending to to know me you know some of y'all may recognize this name Marshall Teague anybody recognize that name he's kind of a, a, a movie not really a star I don't know that he's ever been the headline the first name on the screen but he starred in an awful lot of movies. He's, he, You know, he's kind of like some of those guys that, that you've seen. You know him. You go, oh, he was in, okay, hmm, yeah, okay, see, I didn't even know it. Okay, so I know Marshall Teague. We went to high school together. I never met the man. But I know Marshall Teague. We went to high school together. See, that would be, for for these people saying they know God would be like me saying, you know, I know what Marshall Teague's favorite meal is. They were doing that exact same thing. They knew, listen to me, they knew about God. Listen, I know about Allah, but I don't know Allah. I know about Baal, but I don't know Baal. I know about some of the Hindu gods, but I don't know them. These people are saying, God, we know you, and God is saying, no. You know a little bit about me. A little bit. But you don't know enough about me to have a relationship with me and to trust me. You don't know enough about who I am to even listen To my word, because listen, you're trying to live life on your terms and not mine. Why do most people that go into the military only spend one tour? Because they get in and understand, this is not the life for me. Okay? I I don't particularly care for this. Nothing really wrong with it. I just don't particularly care for this. I want to be able to do things my way instead of being told how to do things the military way. And that's the way these people are. They are playing God in their own life. They are saying, I don't want to do things God's way. I want to do them mine. Change of gears. No matter what your worldview is, if you're a thorough evolutionist, or if you are a committed, sold-out, raging-on-fire believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of life boils down to reproduction. All of life boils down to reproduction. Didn't our brother just read that for us this morning in 1 Corinthians 7? Remember what happened? Paul's come into Macedonia. He slapped war out. Everywhere he goes, See, you know, people are slapping him around, giving him a hard time. I read an article this week that said Paul never existed. You know? <laughs> really? Whole other sermon. But Paul is slap wore out. And what happens? The Corinthians heard that Paul was slap wore out. And so what did they do? They reproduced their love for God into the life of Titus and sent Titus to Paul where Titus then reproduced that love in Paul's life. See, we're called to reproduce. We were made to reproduce. We were made to invest our lives into the lives of other people. In my other job, I am building upon what other people taught me. And then, listen, I tell people all the time, I do not see myself as the keeper of the sacred knowledge. My job, listen, I know that I'm going to retire from the Greenville City Schools in five years. If I start right now, I barely got time to get my replacement trained. Okay? Okay? I need to be investing in the lives of my co-workers. As the pastor of this fellowship, I stand on the shoulders of giants. I stand on the shoulders of giants going all the way back into the Bible. Back into our spiritual forefathers and foremothers. I read a great article this week in SBC Life about, oh, I don't know, baptism. Because we Baptists, I don't know, that's moderately important to us. It's a great article going all the way back to the Anabaptists and and the persecution that they experienced because of their insistence upon believers' baptism by full immersion. I stand on their shoulders. They have helped me, these people have helped me come to know God. And now it's my responsibility, not just as the pastor of Concord Baptist Church, but as a believer that has been washed in the blood to tell others what Jesus has done, is doing, and is going to do in my life. Paul, in his instructions to Timothy in 2 Timothy, look at what he said. You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, be a man's man. You got all of this from yourself, right? No. The things which you have heard from me... Wait. You understand what he's saying? Reproduction. Reproduction. Paul is saying, I was taught by the Lord. I taught you. You go teach faithful men so that they can teach others. Do you understand? that you are in this room this morning because Timothy did what Paul told him to do? (laughs) Okay? Timothy went and in the Las Vegas of his world invested his life into the life of faithful men and taught them To be disciples. You know what I'm praying? I've told you in the past. What I'm praying for the people group that Mark and Courtney are ministering to, the Chami. I hope that you're praying for them every day. Here's what I'm praying. God, I pray that the Chami will soon be a reached people group. And not only will they be a reached people group, but they will become a sending people group that they won't just be disciples, they'll be disciple makers. Investing their lives and that a revival would break out in Colombia and spread across all of, of South and Central America because the Chami have come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. See, truth is an unalterable part of God's being. Psalm. 31.5. Says into your hand. I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me. O Lord. God of truth. See. If what God says is true. Then we must act upon it. Okay. You understand that. What if I said to you. Boy, that is the nicest plastic pulpit I have ever seen in my life. And the red, well, y'all know I'm colorblind, so that one you might let me get away with. (laughs) And I love the shade of red that is painted. And you said, "Uh, Pastor, that's not plastic, it's wood. No, it's not, it's plastic. That may be your truth that it's wood. No, truth is truth. And truth must be communicated, it's immutable. And the psalmist says that because everything you say, because you are the God of truth, I am going to commit my spirit into your hand because I know that my spirit is going to be safe in your hand because you said it would be. Psalm 119, 160. The sum of your word is truth. Okay, we just started school. Y'all remember when I did the Jesus erases all... St- I, had to, I had to have the big eraser going back to school, okay? I did. I'll, I, I not only had to have the, 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 you know, the big one that you put over the eraser that comes on the pencil, I had to have the big rectangular one too. Made a lot of mistakes in, in math class, okay? But 2 plus 2 is 4. That's an immutable truth, okay? The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. You understand what the psalmist is saying? God's word, God's truth doesn't change. We need to move on. What God wants us to understand, and, and, and these are some really sad verses, this is why it's taken us so long to get through this. God didn't come into our lives to leave us the way that He found us. Listen to me. Jesus came to us and accepted us exactly as we are. Amen? But He loves us too much to leave us that way. Okay? I mean, look at it this way. Doctor walks into the emergency room. And, and a patient is bleeding. And, 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 and something's bad wrong. And they did this to themselves because of their own foolishness. The doctor can come in there and say, Well, you made this mess. You can get yourself out of it. Or he can come in there or she can come in there and say, I see the patient exactly as they are, but I care about them too much to leave them in this state. And so I'm going to do what I can to fix these wounds, and then I'm going to encourage them to not do this again. See, beloved, Jesus came to transform us. If you're exactly the same as you were when you walked down the aisle, notice I didn't say when you got saved. If you're the same right now that you were when you walked down the aisle, you hadn't been transformed. You had not been transformed. Jesus came to transform us and direct our desire toward God. Verse 7. Throughout the history of the northern kingdom, we saw it in Sunday school this morning, every single king of the northern kingdom was evil in the sight of God. And they did everything they could to set up a state religion. Why would they do that? Because they weren't as interested in your relationship with God as they were in your relationship with the state. And they saw that as long as they were in control of this church, that they were in control of your life in control of your spirituality, in control of your relationship with God because it was through them that right and wrong were determined, not through God's Word. I mean, we understand that what happened, okay? I mean, what was happening in the northern kingdom at this time would be like me going into, I don't know, a Hindu temple, and say, hey, would you like to be a priest? Come with me. But I I don't know anything about your God. That's okay. That's cool. I'll tell you what you need to say. You got this. Come on. And these people weren't qualified to be priests. They weren't qualified to be ministers of the Word of God. God had said what? Who can serve as a priest? Levites and Levites only. They weren't open to change that. And so the kings were saying, we just need warm bodies that will mimic the party line. So, the charge, this is said, the charge that they, that God is bringing about against the priest is that they were encouraging people to sin more. Now let's understand the situation. Let's put ourselves in a situation where you have sinned. You've come to a realization of that sin. You come to me asking what you should do about that sin. And I go... Hmm. Well, i tell you what. You went into town last night, and you ate way yonder more than you should have. That's gluttony. Gluttony ought to be worth about 20 bucks. Now, don't forget to go back into town next week and enjoy that meal. That's what they were doing. See, these guys live, the word here, the more they sinned, the word here in Hebrew is, uh, is the, the sin offering. See, if you sinned in Israel, then there were very prescribed things that you had to do, an offering that you had to make to show that you were sorry for that sin. That's how the priest got paid. It's how they got their food. And so if I want more money, if I want more food, I encourage my people to sin more so that I get paid more. That's what they were doing. The more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me. Remember how we started talking this morning about reproduction? Romans twelve two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, if somebody comes to the priest with a sin problem, the priest's goal should be to decrease the amount of sin, not increase it. And the priest should be able to say to the person, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to kind of get into this, this rhythm with God that I'm in. Instead of saying, you know what? Man, it looks like you're having a good time in your life. I'm just going to mimic what you're doing instead of asking you to mimic what I'm doing. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. through 11, Look at what Paul says to them. Do you not know? Guys, if your wife says to you, do you not know? Is that not a dangerous question? There is no right answer to that question, okay? Because if you answer, well, of course I knew. Well, then why weren't you doing it? And if you answer, no, I didn't, then she's going to go, yes, you did. I've told you that a thousand times. Well, now it's a thousand and one. No, sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud. When Paul says, do you not know? It's a rhetorical question. Of course they knew. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. Have I gotten on everybody's toes yet? will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were, past tense. Such were some of you. And there's my favorite word in all the Bible. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of our God. Now, these are probably the most unpopular verses in the Bible. Because when we quote these verses, when we go here, We are accused of the highest sin in our world, intolerance, okay, intolerance. Listen, i turn it around and say, you're the one that's intolerant because I have been washed and you are intolerant of that. I have been sanctified, you are intolerant of that. I have been justified and you are intolerant of that. See, what we're offering to the world is the title of our sermon. You can stay up in all of that before verse 11 and verse 9 and 10 and be conformed. Or you can be in verse 11 and be transformed. Transformed. You can be taken out of this world and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be washed of the sin that has so beset your life. Verse 8. We just said what they were doing. I want to give you this. A couple of quotes from C.S. Lewis's great work, The Screwtape Letters. It's a great book. You ought to read it. It's a short book. It won't take you very long to read it. Basically, the book is a field manual from Satan to his minions. Okay? about how to get humans' minds off of God. One of the things that he said was, a moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all. And more amusing. Mm. Another. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope. Soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. In the last one, an enemy here, when you hear me say the word enemy, is from Satan's perspective. So when he says enemy, he means God. We do want, and want very much, to make men treat Christianity as a means. Preferably, of course, as a means to their own advancement. But failing that as a means to anything, even to social justice. The thing to do is to get a man at first to value social justice as a thing which the enemy demands, and then work him on to the stage at which he values Christianity because it may produce social justice for the enemy will not be used as a convenience. Satan understands God will not be used as a convenience. And that's what these men were doing. Verse 9. Doesn't that just break your heart? Those who are supposedly called to minister to God's people, are not only content to leave them exactly as they found them, but they're seeking to join them. Paul cautioned the Romans in Romans 1, verses 18, 29, and 32. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Make no mistake. Against all ungodliness. You know, when I'm talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe that the world is going to be destroyed. All of it. They don't think it's going to be destroyed. They think God's just going to come down and kind of make things right. And they say, why do you think the world is going to be destroyed? And I say to them, listen, let me put put it to you this way. Suppose you come over to my house for breakfast. And I serve to you a bowl of oatmeal. And when I set the oatmeal before you, you look horrified. And you point at it. And somehow or another, without me noticing it, my cat has pooped in your bowl of oatmeal. And I go, oh my goodness, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so sorry, just a minute, I'll fix it. And I go over to the counter, and I get a spoon, and I spoon out the poop, and maybe a little bit around it, and then say, just put a little brown sugar on it, it'll be okay, you'll never notice. No, you want a new bowl of oatmeal, don't you? Because why? The old bowl... Has been contaminated by poop. We want a new world, don't we? Why? Because the old one has been contaminated by poop. Our sin. Our sin. And God says there's two ways to do this thing you can either be conformed or you can be transformed. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. You know, most of us on our televisions, I don't know, I'm sure the cable companies, if, 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 if I were the, the law and wanted to know what you were watching, I'm sure I could subpoena and they could give me a minute-by-minute minute breakdown of what you watch on television or what you watch on Netflix or what you watch on some other pay-per-view channels. I hope there's nobody in here in that situation. Would you want that on the front page of the newspaper? Are you giving hearty approval to those who practice unrighteousness? Oh, beloved, will we pattern our lives after the example that God has set for us? Will we be transformed or are we happy with just being conformed?